1: talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? i tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world, and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Oh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do
2: If shit. I had a...
1: Dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, work by tax on
2: tomorrow. We're on a board. SB features house, up 22. As it features up 85 a as we try and make it two days in a row to the upside here. Uh, we will see if uh, that happens. Um, do we have uh, Professor Brennan? Professor of Law, Brendan?
3: <laughs> yes, Chief, I'm here. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good.
2: The uh, Speaking of law, you uh, remember uh, recently my. Uh, my friend, uh, well, and for well, some time, uh, Mike Tuman, the, the gentleman, who was a judge head of the yeah. uh, children's thing for a while. Passed away. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, evidently, when they went through his uh, apartment, uh, they found he was an a pe- appeals court judge for a while, mm-hmm. and he wrote all these opinions. And evidently, all he had all his, all those opinions, absolutely uh, bound and and, and preserved. And, uh, really? Yeah, and they were able to uh, give those all to DePaul Library, went to, where he went to law school. DePaul Law Library said they wanted them, so they're now at the DePaul Libraries. That's kinda cool. that kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Yeah. Does he have his own
3: room or wing with them? You no, know, I'm not sure. To, uh,
2: they just transferred all like a couple of weeks ago, Alaska, because evidently every one of his opinions was meticulously printed out, you know, written out and researched and the whole bit, and he was... Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he, got lo- he absolutely loved the law, you know, and he was just one of those guys that. Uh, How g- could you not? Yeah, well, from a guy who started out at getting booted out of New Trier because they had a they had a, a security guard, he stole mm-hmm. a security guard's car,
3: <laughs> squad <laughs> car.
2: So he got booted out So of he a- had
3: he had an early introduction to the law process.
2: Well, he ended up in the Marines after this mm-hmm. incident. And when he came out of the Marines, he got his uh, college equivalency in the Marines and then went to DePaul Law School and he came out and uh, became a judge for after a while. Up, up, he, was, he was a tr- terrific litigator. And then he became a judge up in uh, a county north of Cook. And then once Lake. he. Lake. Yeah, he must have been Lake County. And then he became an appeals court judge early because he was so mm-hmm. good. And then ended up on the bench here and head of uh, children's court like forever. And mm-hmm. did the. He's uh, famous for the Jeff Fort case. Yep. And for uh Chelsea Smollett. Mhm. In and, and fact, that Tony Preckwickle hated him, which I thought was pretty <laughs> cool. So that's a plus. Yeah. But you know, you, you do wonder uh when you talk about the Jeff the Jeff Ford case and stuff, where all the death threats and everything else and they had to put all these guards around his house. You wonder if he had a family if you could even do that. Mhm. You'd have to bail cuz he you know, it's was, it was tough. Just tough. It's along. really challenging.
3: Yeah. Well, look at that judge in New Jersey whose uh, son was shot, was killed and answered the front door, and a, a disgruntled litigant in front of her killed her son and shot her husband and went after her as well.
2: Yeah. A couple uh, of years ago. Yeah. It's not. Uh. It's, it's not a. A because People are getting the. Reasonably personal. Of course, the the other side is too. When they when they went after the juror and the. In the Rod Begley, case, out in him or out in her, by her, not voting mm-hmm. the right way. I mean, both sides are good. It's not like it's one side or the other. I mean, it's, that's just, true. I mean, we're just getting very uh, uncivil as a civil society, it <laughs> sort of seems. Hey, I got a question for you to uh, sports mavens. Um, who would you think was the best pitching rotation ever?
3: Baltimore Orioles, 1967.
2: Uh, that's what they have. They have a choice here between them. And the Cleveland Indians. Where,
3: well, I would say I would pick Baltimore because they went further than Cleveland did.
2: Oh, uh, Cleveland won a World Series. I'm talking about no, I'm talking about back. Oh, in you're that.
3: talking about the the Indians team from the fifties?
2: Uh, Bob Lemon, Early Win, Mike Garcia, yep. and Bob Feller.
3: Okay. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about that. But I was thinking about the Orioles team. Can you name them? Uh yeah. Jim Palmer, was one. He was the yeah.
2: he was the underwear guy. Yeah, that's what Mandy always. And everybody, everybody had to wear
3: wear that. Mike player. Yeah. Um, I can't think of the rest
4: of them right now. Dave Mcnally and uh, Dabson. They all were twenty game winners. Mm hmm. Yeah, Cleveland by the way hasn't won the World Series since 1948. That's when those guys were there. I thought. I mean, maybe.
3: Uh, but they appeared twice in the fifty, or once or twice in the
4: fifties Yeah, right? they they, appeared they, they in didn't win. 54, 54 They had one hundred eleven wins. Yeah, and they lost, and then they didn't appear again until the nineties when they appeared twice and lost both times. Yeah, and then they didn't yeah. appear again until twenty sixteen, and we all remember what happened that year. Was a uh,
2: yeah? Was uh, was nineteen fifty four? Was that one hundred fifty four games? Probably. Yes, one hundred eleven wins. One hundred eleven wins is one hell of a line. One hundred fifty four game season. Yes, it is. Yeah. Wow. I remember early when he was on the White Sox. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, Bob Lemon was, he was a terrific coach for a long time, too. Mm hmm. When did, uh, you know, you know, it was a guy who doesn't get much. Well, the next question is this one is totally subjective. Is these guys, uh, who was the most intimidating pitcher of all time?
4: Bob Gibson. That's what these guys did. That's had. where the first thing that came to mind, too.
2: Um, and then they had, you know, guys like Randy Johnson and people. You know who wasn't mentioned, though? Who i almost put right up there with Gibson? was uh J.R. Richard.
3: I would have also put that in Drysdale.
2: Yeah. J.R. Richard had that uh really what about Nolan Ryan? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Ask Robin Ventura about that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well the, the reason why I mentioned J.R. Richard is he uh had that really bizarre delivery where we had the real it was really a, but he, what he, did, he, had a, he had like a stroke or something. He, he had really a stroke.
3: He was pitching when he had a stroke. He, I don't know if it was in a game or if it was in uh, practice, but he had a stroke when he was on the mound.
2: Yeah, but he uh, Steve Stone said that he was, by his mind, he, had, he hadn't batted in a while. He just had the DH of the American mm-hmm. League. In, in the All-Star game, he had a bat. He batted against Rich JR, and he told the catcher, look, I'm not going to swing. <laughs> 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 so evidently the first pitch was so far inside it hit hit one of the hit one of the uh speakers and broke the speaker. <laughs> Stone's like what what am I doing here? <laughs> I I have no intention of swinging this bed. Here's this guy swinging this thing. You know, he, I guess you could barely see it coming out of it because he was so big and gangly. He was like Randy Johnson. By the time he let it go, he was you know halfway there it seemed. But like uh, uh,
3: like Bull Durham hit
1: the ball. Yeah, hit hit the ball. Hit the ball.
2: <laughs> so uh what do you Last week we were talking about the House of Representatives and you're our, our expert. How do you go from uh two guys running to one guy running he can't he can't win when he's the only guy running now we're back to nine guys running or eight we're 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 up to and i i just what i want kind of want your opinion uh I sort of know what it might be, but you know it's you learn when you do when you when you do a show like this and you talk to people who listen to you it's not what you say it's what people hear. And so you got to mm-hmm. be careful of what, what you say and how you say it, uh, or at least try to be. And, uh, you know, it's funny, the Republicans and the Democrats, of course, are at each other's throats on this thing. But the Democrats, I think, are are being really ignorant in the sense that if you're sitting in Germany, or maybe we don't care about these people, or UK or anywhere around the world that's looking to the U.S. to be somewhat of a leader here, all they know is that Congress is out of business. Right. I don't I don't think that they're splitting hairs and saying... It's those dirty Republicans and Democrats got it all together. I, I don't think people split hairs like that. I just think they they have no clue.
3: I agree with your statement. They have no clue what's going on. All they see is that the U.S. government is dysfunctional.
2: Have, have we ever is, is a is a House of Congress ever ever essentially shut down before?
3: Well, you know, there was this thing called the Civil War back in the eighteen sixties. It was pretty dysfunctional, and there have been times when. Uh, both the Senate and the House have been at, at odds within each other, but I can't remember a time as bad as this.
2: Well, what, what exactly we've had? You know, different people on. I some a little more uh, opinionated on one side or the other. What exactly can they do right now? I mean, if there if there's a a, <coughs> a big issue with um, you know Senate you know, covert people, I've heard some rumor from yesterday that we've got the Delta forces in Lebanon or someplace. I mean, it, can, can the people in Congress, can that committee still get together and be briefed by people like Mike Murphy used to do and stuff? Can they still get together and be briefed and know what's going on and give sort of their approval or not approval? I, I don't think
3: the House can meet. I think under House rules they have to have the Speaker who appoints the committee members and and uh, and designates committee. And I think that the way the House is set up, that without a Speaker, it's at a standstill. There, are, there's very limited things that they can do. That's why. And even the speaker pro tem has limited powers because he's meant. You know, the speaker pro tem position wasn't really uh, used until after 9/11. Uh, I mean, there's been a few times, but usually it's been in the in that if somebody dies in office, uh, the speaker pro tem steps in, um, but very limited powers. In fact, the uh, the house rules that I saw said that he can only uh, he or she. Uh, could only be in uh, the temporary position for three legislative sessions. So the idea is that it would take them three days to meet, regroup, name a new Speaker of the House, and move forward. But everything starts and ends with the Speakership. That's why we saw the same kind of paralysis for a while in January before McCarthy was, was elected on the 15th ballot. And now it's, again, because there's no Speaker.
2: Well, I mean, uh, I know Mike Quigley, I can't remember the uh, exact committee. You know, maybe maybe, I don't know if you want to look it up, but, He's on wherever the double secret committee is that gets briefed on all the uh, black ops and all that stuff. Are we we saying, are you saying that if all of a sudden something's going on in Lebanon or Ukraine or someplace that that committee can't meet?
3: I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I I, I don't know if they can meet informally or what they do or what powers they have, but I I don't think that they have very many powers, and if they do, I don't think they're... um, they're officially recognized as a committee in action right
2: now. Well, what do they do anyway? They don't. When they come out of there. They can't even tell the rest of the guys. So I mean, well, they could if they.
3: Um, but then they have to kill them. But
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't that? That's um, you know, that's that's a pretty. They must. They must think something of you to put you on that committee. Yes. So I mean, that's a, yeah. you know, it means that Mike Quigley has made a name for himself there. Whether you like him or not personally, at least he seems to have gotten the respect of his peers. Let's let's put it that way. Job. I think
3: he has. I think he's one of those guys who is uh, a serious member of the House who takes, uh, takes his job seriously and does a good job.
2: Because you see some guys that are there for, like, forever and never seem to be on anything worthwhile. I don't know, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. With that? I, 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 I could name some if, names. If you're love. from
3: a safe district, you can gain a lot of seniority, which is more appropriate in the Senate for, for moving up the ranks than it is in the House.
2: Who's this guy from, from time to time? Who's the, uh, the older uh, African-American guy? From Chicago tells us that he's, he's been my guy back Who, before. Danny Davis? Yeah, he's is has he, he ever done anything? He's being challenged this time.
3: He is being challenged. One of the challenges against him, in fact, is Melissa Conyers Irving, the that's current city comptroller, treasurer, one of those. Um <laughs> whose husband is Alderman uh Jason Evers, uh, from the West Side. But yes, he's being challenged. He was challenged last time too. He was challenged by a woman who I believe worked in Kim Fox's office this and is, he beat back that challenge but this time uh it could be more formidable.
2: This isn't the lady who uh got the PPP loan is it? Or was it No, no,
3: this uh the, the woman who's the the city officer right now has uh been in the news because her office settled with two employees who said she hired people to do her her um day-to-day minion work. Uh, and not with any experience doing uh, comptroller-type matters. In fact, one of the people was hired to be her bodyguard. She was famous when uh, well, she was in the news right after Lori Lightfoot took over because Lightfoot stripped her position from police protection. She took the police protection away from Eddie Burke and from the from the treasurer's from the comptroller's office.
2: And she had all um, kinds of it. She had all kinds of it. Lori yeah. did. Now, this guy supposedly has... Multiple people. I mean, it's incredible. I and mean, it's like it's like in the fifty or sixty people watching him, allegedly. I mm-hmm. actually, one of my uh, Greg, Greg Pappas, uh, our assistant producer, brought in a thing that Lori had. Daily had like I don't know five guys, and it's it's gone up to Lori had like forty. and This guy's got like ninety or something. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean it's unbelievable because evidently all he does is show up. He not he doesn't work. All he does is. He gets to the office. He's never there. He's out doing something. He still thinks he's a community organizer. Mm-hmm. And just he's a, and he's got a big entourage I mean, everywhere he goes. When Daly's come to the club, uh, one guy was in the car, and one guy'd sit on the sofa, out looking over the swimming pool, and there was never even anybody in the club, just Daly. Mm-hmm. That 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 ship has sailed, I think. But uh, I think so. I mean, I just whatever. Um, but the. Uh, I guess this thing, this thing with Washington is, I don't know. I, I, how, what, what happens if uh, you know we get to the uh, debt ceiling and everything else, and you where know, we can't be too far away from that? What are we? It's in. Ne- not?
3: It's November twelfth, so we're about two and a half weeks away.
2: Well, the, we're getting uh, closer,
3: and and I think if I remember correctly, the even under the best of schedules, the House had now it 's down to like seven or eight days in session before then, if they were a formally normally functioning house so it's it 's not just the calendar days that we 've got the days that they were scheduled to be in session are dwindling to a mere handful, and still i mean obviously nothing can happen in the way of any negotiations right now because there's nobody to negotiate with
2: um brendan the the this a lot of this issue is. Allegedly on the Republican side. A lot of the issue is that the, the hardliners, this is the weirdest part because I mean, everybody, I think everybody thinks that I'm supposed to be this very liberal dude that moderate, you know, masquerades as in the middle, but it's not really true. I'll tell you what, if I was out there, I, I'd be one of these hardliners when it came to money. But I'm asking you legislatively when you come up with a, a plan, and I'll just use two examples that I think I'm fairly accurate on. You look at, at Trump's... Trump was the president. I don't know if it was his idea or not. Trump's tax cut. All right, mm-hmm. So it's supposed to... We're cutting all these taxes from all you know, these corporations, and oh, by the way, it's going to be so accretive that we end up with more money than we have now. What a, what a crock of crap. I and mean, what a crock of crap. So they come back with the, the uh, uh, you know, Congressional Budget Office, who's, you know, of course, not political at all, saying, oh, yeah, in 10 years, don't worry, we'll be ahead of the game. So then now we have this buffoon says we're going to have this uh, infrastructure act, and oh by the way, we're going to give Inglewood 5k capab- or 5g capability uh, and oh by the way everybody's going to make so much money in Inglewood that it's going to be accretive tax wise, which is another crack of crap, but yet they say that this is going to work out All right so now it's four years later, say or five years later, and even if you and I voted for the first one because we were suckered or we actually believed it, now here it is four years later, and none of that's happened. None of that's happening. What, what is, according to Robert's rules of government, what, is the, what do you do now? I mean, other than you need another, I mean, Reagan, when he passed his tax cut, they ended up having a tax increase, what, 18 months later, because they were horrified at what mm-hmm. it did to So what do, what do you do if you're sitting in Congress, you're just some schlump like I would be, and all of a sudden I voted for these two bills, and I expected to have an outrageous de- uh, deficit of $30 trillion, and now it's thirty three. And I'm sitting there gagging on this, going, I, you know, I voted for these two things, but neither one of them are doing what they're supposed to be doing. What what is my or anybody's retribution? I mean, here's a bill that says it was going to save this, and by the way, it didn't. Can can I repeal it? Does it does it go away on its own? Obviously, that's not the case. What what well, other other it, than it, it depen- other than
3: it, it? It depends on what the language is of the bill. Now, with the tax cuts, I think that there was another vote to make them more permanent. But you could always go into the. the Congress could go in both houses would have to pass a bill to either amend or repeal the the tax cuts and then uh, have a new bill or as part of the same bill increase the tax cuts so you undo it by another piece of legislation but it doesn't just go away unless there's uh, a time limit in the original bill that says you know this this tax cut is good only for tax years uh, 2020 through 2025 and at the end of 25 then it goes back to what it was before but uh, short of that, would be a new, new bill, um, and with things like the infrastructure bill, once monies are appropriated, they would have to reappropriate those monies, which would take another piece of legislation to reappropriate the spending of monies that had previously been allocated and appropriated under the original infra- infrastructure. So it, bill. it just
2: it just nothing happens basically, right? Because then then people will say, "You voted for the bills, and now in the debt ceiling, he keeps having to get raised." You should just you should just shut up. I, why should I shut up? It, it's, it's way higher than it was supposed to have been.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, remember that the mm-hmm. debt limit is something different than the tax cuts or the appropriations. Well, the it, debt isn't, limit, it isn't. is isn't. Well, <coughs> it, no, it, it is because I mean the debt limit says we will pay our debts that we have already incurred. That's different than adding new uh, debt to it in the way. Well, of what I'm limit. saying is, just means,
2: I, I agree with you. That I can't just be an ass and have a second cut at the apple. I get that part, but I also know if if the if the bill was wrong, it's it's gonna it's gonna sp- essentially spit out, and we have way too much debt. That's where it spits out, right? No, it,
3: it, it, in in the case of the tax cuts, it means there's less revenue coming in I to pay the bills.
2: That's exactly my point. I'm saying if the t- if the tax cuts, the bill was supposed to have. Say that our budget deficit is going to be uh, 100 billion dollars. If, if the, Congress, the Congressional Budget Office came out with this crap, and all of a sudden it's 200, well, where's that? Where's that, Where's the silly buddy going to squeeze out? I have to borrow another 100, which I wasn't supposed to before. So I'm saying that this where where it's where it spits out is is that our our deficit is way bigger than it ought to be.
3: Well, there there are options. It, 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 you're right. The first and foremost one, and the one we've relied upon, is to borrow that extra $100 billion yeah. that you just mentioned. The other thing is to go back and amend it, amend the tax cuts so that the tax cuts are reversed and more revenue flows, or cut spending. And you can cut spending by going in and reappropriating dollars that well, are I in there or what, by cutting spending.
2: I think that's what this group says, okay, You got to give me some of that before I give you more money to borrow. Is what I think what they're saying. I I don't like the 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 method. I
3: I don't think they're saying that. (laughs) Well, they they ought to be. Well, what they ought to be saying and what they are saying and what they are doing are two different things. Okay. Uh, Because if they were serious about cutting the debt, and if they were serious about cutting the debt under the trump administration or the obama administration or the bush administration or the clinton administration but in clinton there was a they had a balanced budget and a a surplus but if you look at the the time since then with with bush obama and and trump the deficits kept going up the borrowing kept going up so and that's been because of a variety of of things happening But once they get to that point, their options are to cut the spending, which would include things, if they were really serious about it, would be a hard look at Medicare, Social Security, and the defense budget, if nothing else. But those are our our third rails and are pretty much off the table.
2: I think I don't have a worse car when I need them. I think that so many old people died with COVID, I don't think we have a problem with Social Security right now.
3: Um, numbers that I'm seeing are—they are, might have been able to push it out, but you know, at one time it was like 2035 yeah. and it was going to be significantly lower. I think it's now back up to 2045, or certainly no later than yeah. 2050. Yeah, I mean it's still coming, but it's—it's it, it's still coming. Yeah, and and
2: nowhere know, near one as bad as Medicare and Medicaid. I'm close. One of,
3: yeah, Medicare, and Medicaid are are big hits. The Defense Department is a big hit.
2: I got a, a in the budget. Just a, we only have a, a few minutes here, but I have a an interesting question for you. When, when did we decide um, that we can't spank anybody? Nothing is criminal anymore. This the uh, I don't know if you saw the thing two weeks ago that uh, Microsoft, they were, they were one of the guys that had everything overseas and evidently the IRS, I didn't read it, mean, it wasn't a detailed article or anything, but it had to do with, uh, you know, that when they were overseas from 2000, whatever hell it was to whenever, they think they cheated on transfer pricing to the tune of like 29 billion dollars that they owe the government. And it's, you know, Microsoft's got the dough, and they. The chairman said something to the effect of, "We'll push this in the courts for like 10 years." Mm-hmm. And I. And then I, I saw a couple of weeks ago the F uh, the F, F, FCC or somebody is is suing somebody in Texas regarding an antitrust violation. How did? How did none of this become, when you reach a certain level, of course you could say the people who carjack here get let right off, too. When, when did we decide not to punish anybody for anything? I mean, last I read, the, a, a, an antitrust violation was a criminal offense, not a civil suit. When, when did that become, <clears throat> we got to be nice to these guys? If you did an antitrust violation, you're supposed to be in jail with triple damages. That's the last time I read it. Mean, when, when did this all become Mr. Nice Guy for the real good guys, or even for the bad guys?
3: I, I can't tell you the evolutionary track of that. But, but, you know, delay is one of the, depending on your view, either the best thing or the worst thing about the American legal system. Um, and like in the criminal context, you have appeal upon appeal. Think about how many times guys were, were sentenced to, to the death penalty and it's they're still in jail 20 years later on appeal.
2: Which is a good thing. Um, if half of them didn't do it. Oh, well, that's
3: true. Well, that's that's the other the other yeah. side of the point, but, and that's what Pat Quinn came about when he uh, commuted all the sentences and, and said, uh, you know, no more death penalty in Illinois. But yes, I mean, so that's the other side. It, because of all the delays, you avoid making mistakes of killing the wrong guy for for uh, for the death with the death penalty, or like in litigation, protracting it out so that you eventually get get to the right decision however you define the right decision I'll leave that up to you but you know the, the idea is that through the appeal process you ultimately get to the right decision the downside is that it takes so long that people don't remember what happened <laughs> or or the company keeps growing to the point where it's it's too big to fail or too big to be punished like like the banks um, like other you know, elements of our economy
2: well how like do you, mean, cars. How, how, do you uh, how, how do we get I mean we have another gentleman who comes in on the show and he's Obviously, I diametrically different in some of his views on this than a few, but he—he's like, America is almost at the point that somebody has to grab these people and take them out in the street like they used to in the old days. That—that that, that, that the government is incapable of enforcing laws against people that are just stealing right and left on people. I mean, they're absolutely incapable of of uh, of of the of enforcing, say, generic drugs where somebody buys them up and the price goes up four times the next week. These are these are criminal offenses. And and yet nobody ever gets caught. And and, he, and he's saying we're almost at the revolution stage. People can't afford this anymore. And, you know, and, and it's happening right and left and right and left. I mean, if John Dyer was on, he might get him back on. He's he's been in the pharmaceutical business for thirty years. Knows more about it than anybody. He goes, there used to be all kinds of generic people competing for that stuff. Is they're all gone. They're all they're all bought up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, every one of those things is an antitrust offense. Not one of them. I mean. It, and yet we've got more more people working for government And, and allegedly bureaucratic uh, Going after people and Nobody goes after anybody The reason why I mention this is when, when uh, Hal comes on We're going to talk about uh, an article that Lou sent out And it was a big uh, study by somebody Talking about the defense companies And how part of it Which Mike talks about once in a while Was Rumsfeld coming in with this uh, Just-in-time inventory Well now when mm-hmm. we talk about We're, we're giving arms to uh, Ukraine And all these other people when you turn around to restock the shelves, the amount of consolidation in the defense industry has been dramatic. And mm-hmm. not, not only did the Justice Department let it go, so did the Defense Department. Yeah. So, so you, all these people say, well, if you want it, we got to raise the price. I mean, it, it's all over the place, and, and yet we have more and more people working for the Justice Department than we ever have. What do they do all day? Well,
3: that's not a Justice Department issue as much as it is things like uh, the Department of Defense going to to say – Will only work with these one or two companies now, uh, and, and
2: well, but if you let them take the other guy over, what's your choice?
3: Well, you have new companies develop. I mean, in, in in an odd sort of way. I mean, that was the purpose of a lot of minority programs that were done to have minority participation in the contracting world, construction, legal world, and other things to to have new types of companies formed to uh, to be part of the business, but you are right that after a certain period of time, those new companies that are formed get subsumed into the larger corporations, so it does get narrowed down to just a handful or one or two companies that you're dealing business with, which monopoly or duopoly. Well,
2: we have got to dash, Brennan, but I might have, uh, have, have want to discuss this more this week because I think it might, might be my weekly theme, but... Uh... They just keep disappearing. I mean, in a lot of the minorities you're talking about, I, you know, I got stories. They get in there, they get the place, and all they do is sell it and get out. That's true. And that's not exactly what it, that's not the purpose of this. SB features no, it's up, up 25, Danzigers up 100. Maybe we can have two good days in a row. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jackson.
1: How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox.
5: Eight eight one zero, or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, and
0: stocks and jocks. You are
5: out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
2: Welcome back, stacks and giants. I'm Tom we on the board. s and futures up 25. Nasdaq futures up 103. We've got a couple good earnings out of both Coke and GM. Uh, Coke says that their volume went up, even though their prices went up. So I guess if it's supposed to be good for them. I don't know if it's good for the rest of us, but it's good for them. Uh, GM says they had a good quarter, but the cost of the strike are starting to mount. Uh, that seems to be getting even a little more bitter as the days go by. Uh, Dow futures are up 149. Individual stocks in the Dow. I get uh, Goldman Sachs up buck 89. Honeywell up a buck. Microsoft up 308. Uh, they realize Microsoft falling up 223. Doesn't matter if they owe the government 29 billion dollars in taxes. It's good business. Good business they say. Over in Europe, tax up 45.3 percent. FTSE down three. Call it flat. Cac around up 41.6. Up but not not huge. Asia, which has been down, bounced back a little bit today. Nikkei up 62.2 percent, but it's not helping all that much. However, to Hang Seng down another 180. Under 17,000. Two weeks ago, baby, we're talking about these guys going through eighteen thousand. they went the other way. They went through seventeen thousand downside. Seventeen, sixteen, nine, ninety-one. Shanghai, however, up twenty-two point eight percent. So the only one down over there is the Hang Seng. Uh, yesterday, the Dow was down one ninety. S and P's down seven. Nasdaq up thirty-four. So what I said we at these day yesterday, the Nasdaq. We barely held on at the end. We're up all day long, and it kind of leaked on the close. Uh, bonds. Ten-year, up two basis points, 4.86. This is the cause of all the volatility yesterday. So we came into the show, ten-year was over 5%. Then it dropped all the way down to 4.84. So The market was being was down, then it went flying up, and it kind of settled out in, and then we ended up almost flat. Uh, Bun, down three basis points, 2.83. So not making it to three this week. Uh, Japan, down two to 8.85. Well, up 41 cents, 85.90, but way below the 90 it was a couple weeks ago. Run up 44 cents, 90.27, natural gas up a penny, 294. RBOB unchanged, 232. Crypto, which has been on a tear, well, 34,533. Bitcoin's up 3,200 bucks. It's highest it's been since May of 22. The big thing is they're supposed to be getting an ETF of Bitcoin, so we'll be able to buy them on the security side. I don't know if it's good or bad, but that's what that's what it's doing. Gold down sixteen bucks, nineteen seventy one. So no more two thousand on gold at least not yet. Silver down twenty eight cents, twenty two ninety two. Copper down a penny, three fifty seven. And the U. S. dollar is uh, up a little bit with the uh, you know, the euro at one oh six and the uh, and the British pound at one twenty two. Both uh, I'm saying the, the those are both down. The dollar's up a little bit, and that's why gold is down. Blah blah blah. Anybody up for us, Trevi Weather Sports.
4: 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have a couple of crashes to report, but none on the expressways. Expressways looking good so far here on a Tuesday morning, but uh, Route 83 at Foster Avenue in Elmhurst, there's a crash, and then Southeast of there, Mannheim Road at Armitage, there is an accident. But everything else is good out there. Weather today, a beautiful, uh, what do you call this, like an Indian summer day almost?
2: We we had a frost.
4: I you? don't know if we've had a frost, though, so I don't know if it's an official Indian summer day. But uh, partly cloudy, 77 degrees, pretty good for late October. Right now, it is crystal clear and 60 downtown. For our Phoenix uh, listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 84. Right now, it's clear and 69. 69. In sports, speaking of Phoenix, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, forced a Game 7, beating the Phillies in Philadelphia 5-1 last night to even that best-of-seven series up at three games apiece. They'll look to win the NLCS and advance to the World Series uh, tonight in Philadelphia. Speaking of the World Series, it was the Texas Rangers blowing out the Astros on the road and winning 11-4 as the road team won all seven games of the seven-game ALCS. Uh, Rangers advanced to their first World Series since 2011, and uh, they'll take on the winner of the D-backs in the Phillies. In hockey, Blackhawks were off last night. They'll host the Boston Bruins tonight at the United Center. That's a 7.30 p.m. Chicago time puck drop. Coyotes were off as well. They're at the Kings tonight. And in Monday Night Football, it was the Vikings upsetting the 49ers 22-17. to The Bears still have a chance. Chance for what? To blow to number one. Are they going to...
2: Why don't they just use both number one picks on a quarterback? <laughs> That's happened twice, you know. That sounds pretty silly. Yeah, well, didn't the Jets did uh, Joe Namath and Jan Hewitt in the same year, right? And Not did,
4: in the, both in the first round.
2: Yeah, they did. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, and didn't the uh, didn't the Dolphins or the Cowboys take Aikman and Bernie Kosar the same year? I don't I don't know if that was first round though. Yeah. Do we have Joel? Sure do. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you, bud? What's up? What do, you, up? What, do you, what do you make of the interest rates in the market here, all over the place? Eh, eh. <laughs> well, Chief, uh, a resilient
6: market here, being resilient today. you uh, have the uh, have the bonds bottom? Have we have rates stopped going up, or maybe maybe even paused? I mean, that's the important thing. Interest rates get it hold steady, things look okay. Earnings season's looking okay. Lot of bears out there, not many bulls, but um it's all about the bonds and the TLT and just rates not going up anymore.
2: Um, do you think we're not going up since since yesterday morning means they are not going up at all?
6: <laughs> I don't know, Chief. I, I, I think that you had the, the rapid increase in rates, uh, you know partially in 22 the market withstood it rates pulled back a little bit then another big ramp up this year and you just got you got to look at the market chief and not a recession yet I mean I've I've, you know we've been doing the show I've been on with you for years I've talked to people I had people stopping their feet at the end of 2021 absolutely recession in 22 those same people at the end of 22 Absolutely recession at the end of twenty three. Now those people, absolute recession uh, in, in twenty four. I mean, I, you can keep calling for something, but when it doesn't happen, you just have to you just have to say it didn't happen. I was wrong, or it's a uh, or it's a um, you know a soft landing. I've uh, I've been on on the soft landing side for a long time and taking a lot of heat. But, man, oh, man, man, we just, this market's so resilient.
2: Uh, I think, the in, in one man's opinion, we don't want to argue about this one for too long, but one man's opinion, what the Fed has done is made every normal word that people used to use, even like the term recession, totally useless. Because there's, the money's in the system, how do, you, how do you even know, would Coca-Cola raise prices as much as it did, and all these other people, and you have automobiles, 80,000 bucks for a pickup truck? How do you even know, I I prefer to look at individual people in in parts of where they are in in the system and cut them up in 20% increments. And I'm going to say everybody in the bottom 80% has been in a serious recession for 5 to 15 years. And it's very much similar to me like the 20s. You talk to everybody, it's the roaring 20s, stock market was running up, everybody was making all his dough, cars were getting better, everybody was, was dressing good. Yet eighty percent of the com- country was either in a recession or damn near a depression, so it, it, it's it's a question. The people on CNBC are not in a recession, but if you look out the window, name me uh, somebody you know that is even the auto people. You're from Detroit. If they end up getting a twenty three percent raise, which most people think is exorbitant, if you you think any of those people have, have gained in the last seven years,
6: Chief, what what really defines a recession?
2: It used to be a Two quarters in a row of decreased real real GDP. Well, but
6: what really defines a recession? Whether
2: if it, whether if it, whether is how you're doing for you.
6: No, what what really defines a recession is the unemployment rate and yeah. people not working and people losing jobs and the economy slowing down. You can have okay? a, You can't call you can't call an, uh, an economy that has an unemployment rate. Under four percent, a recessionary economy. There's no textbook that's going to tell you that.
2: These guys have, have taken the textbooks, and tossed them. Is what I'm saying. If, if if you're working, the that that's the that's the CNBC thing. What's Joe complaining about? He's got a job. Well, Joe's making 15 bucks an hour, and guess what? The the cost of everything is now to the point where he can't come close to doing anything. He's got a job. What's he bitching about? You can't, you can't, I mean, so how many people have two jobs and still aren't making as much as they did r- in real money ten years ago? I mean, some of the, the ladies that come on the show, Nancy's talking about. There's families now that have two and a half jobs, where if somebody's an accountant, they're not only both working, but they're are uh, the guys the guys or the ladies doing tax returns on weekends. I mean, we're at the we're, we're at the we're at the stretch point, I think, on individuals. I, I look at the people, Joel, not the no. The numbers now are so messed up. If they were to put a real PCE deflator into this GDP number, we'd have been in a recession for 20 years, in my opinion.
6: So what is this, when is this going to, I mean, when is this, is this, is this all, you know, uh, it just means fog gen- and mirrors? It's I a, g- mean, when, it's a general
2: degradation of virtually most of the population's buying power over a long period of time. I think people are in been in individual recessions for like a real long time. A real long time. And, and, and I'm saying it's very much like the 20s. But because of the
6: everyone's getting rich off Bitcoin, everyone made money off the off the meme stocks, and everyone took their, their 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 loans, and they they bought stocks, and they made a bunch of money, and they're spending it, and they saved it. I mean, well, i who it, knows it, what's it, it, out there, Chief. I, know, but you, I, you I, just, gonna- I can't see it. I you I, I have to see some kind of visual proof in the economy. I need I need unemployment at six percent for me to say we're in a recession.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, everybody has their own definition i 'm saying take take a look in my opinion look at take ten of your friends of, of every different walk of life i don't have ten friends well there, there you go <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll bet you do I'll bet you have a hundred <laughs> friends just just say okay now uh, if we if we put a real inflation number on it i mean right now in, in in my opinion well here's probably where we diverge the most. I think in the last five years the real the real inflation number has been forty percent not twenty so if if you were to if you were to take even the uh since 2000 if you were to take uh the the medical part of society that they put in the CPI at 6% if you were to make that 20 we we've, we've been in we've been in a recession for 20 years in terms of that of the, of the economy not going up as fast as the inflation it's just all you, how you define it and i agree with you if everybody should be can get a job w- you can have a, a a recession where everybody's working if 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 the costs of of uh, living go up faster than the than the pay scale. And we've seen that for how many years for most people? Now, if you had your money in the market, okay, you, you're doing fine. If you were 70 years old and you had your money in the bank, what's your money worth? 40% less than it was four years ago? I mean, it depends on who you are and where you are is, is my point.
6: Okay. All right. Well, you know what? I'm, I I mean, you know, that's what makes a market, right? Different yeah. opinions. It's 746. I'm going to hop off right, before buddy. you bring before you bring up Michigan.
2: well, well you know what? Go blue. You guys are going to you guys are going to run the table. I have a feeling.
6: Yeah. Oh well, you, what about the other stuff going on? Uh, you know that we need to talk about. Well, Harbaugh okay. coming to the
2: Bears. <laughs> Come on, Chief. That's what they you, said you, in the Chicago paper.
6: Go read your go read your ESPN and every news wire in the country. They're coming. They're coming for Harbaugh. All right? I will say, go blue. All right, and, buddy. Uh, we got to buy
2: this. All right. Take care, buddy. SP futures up 23, NASDAQ is up 98, we have no Kenny, just you and me, well, let's go to break, we'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks.
4: Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to Common Sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give CairoMed a call. 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again.
2: Hello, this is Tom Howell, the chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do at PTI for investments in the market with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's Securities.com.
3: Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification
2: Stocks, jocks, and stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right
1: here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
2: Welcome back, st- back stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom We're on the board. SB futures up 23. Nasdaq futures up 94. So it looks like we have a decent day. We've got the uh, the bands uh, coming down a little or going up a little bit. So the rates are coming down. We're at the 10-year rates at uh, 4.83, and uh, the 30-year is under five as well. So maybe we did tap out yesterday, like Joel was saying, uh, at least for a while. We t- topped out just over 5% on the 10-year. Uh, Maddie, I don't know if you. Uh, if you got this, I'm going to say you probably did not. I just was informed about it by our buddy Bill Murphy. Uh, there was a big article in the New York Times this weekend re- regarding uh, it's name, image, and likeness stuff and what a, an amazing Wild West it's become. Article by David uh, Ferenthold and Billy Witz uh, and how there's like 75 organizations now that are essentially giving money to schools and actively recruiting cash for people and all this stuff and and how this the portal has become a bidding war for net really more than anything else. Then you have, uh, and one I, I would have to admit is you know I've been trying to anticipate what's going to happen, but I I'm kind of surprised and it was right there in front of my face. that I think some of the biggest players right now are the people that are sponsoring the schools are now just sponsoring individual people to go to the schools. I mean there's to me there's no there's no uh, split between the the quarterback at Notre Dame getting a uh, Under Armour. Uh, deal and oh by the way, Under Armour is the Notre Dame place uh, or a sponsor. So I mean they're essentially grabbing people and giving them sponsorship and saying oh by the way this is the school you're going to. I think uh, it's really becoming kind of the Wild West. What do you what do you make? You know I'm surprised though in this article I, I, it's real detailed uh, and it's real long, but uh, the uh, I'm stunned that they're that they're re- actually trying to make this stuff tax deductible. In the sense that people are putting together, uh, was it a 401, 403c, or something? Yeah. That would so. put together a, a charity organization to to make the donations charitable. And then they're sending like the kids out to uh, go visit people in a hospital at 600 bucks an hour or something. I mean, a total scam to the whole thing. The IRS, according to the article, is pretty much looking the other way, which is another another reason why I was saying earlier that we don't seem to be able to enforce anything I mean come on that, that's, no, that's no charity who's kidding who no. uh, but I you know I, I don't know that it's it's going to remain something where you have to give money to every year right? I think it might settle into the spot where you know you send these people out for sponsorship and you take some of the money you don't give it all to them because you can't go to the I mean some of these seem like they're set up where they're going to go to the donors every single year I right? I
4: don't see that happening to you. I mean, what, do, what do you make all of this? I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it. Where do you think it all lands? Or, do, I, d- I can tell you I, I have no idea how it all lands. Um, I really don't. A lot of times you can sort of see these things coming. I don't know how it all lands. I know that a, a couple of interesting things seem to have happened That um, just from someone that isn't a huge college sports fan compared to uh, professional sports, but I do follow it you know, loosely. Um, it's interesting to see the powerhouses of – Yesteryear, And by yesteryear, I mean like five years ago before NIL, like Alabama and Clemson are nowhere near as good as they as they were um, all of a sudden. As in, they were probably paying these kids all along, and then now everyone can pay them, and it's even the playing field, which I think is interesting. Uh, I don't
2: think you can stack players because they go right in the portal and get paid by somebody exactly.
4: else. Exactly. So this idea of you can just stack players and, and, and pay guys, and then you have other programs trying to do it the right way, uh, and what's you, the right way well, the, the traditional way the traditional way i mean the, the right way at the time, not cheat yeah. <laughs> but I know that Clemson and Alabama and many other schools were absolutely cheating and uh and now it 's all uh, so, you know sort of above board uh however you want to put it, everyone can do it right, and it 's out in the open yeah. and now you don 't see Clemson and alabama as uh as this this these uh um you know level above everyone else powerhouses like they were for that five, ten year run where they were just so much better than everyone else. Um even even the Ohio States and the Georges and the Notre Dames who were who were very good were clearly not on the same level as Alabama and Clemson. And now it you you, you uh, I don't want to put
2: Ohio State in there.
4: Yeah, and and I'm not yeah. saying Ohio State is, you know, anything anything uh, special or anything Well they had they had
2: depth. They could, they could have nine people drafted one year and, and you wouldn't even know what the next year were that happened in Notre Dame one year. They were really good, and they lost, like, three or four juniors. Next year, they sucked.
4: Yeah. I just – and, again, I don't know if this is related or if it's just coincidence or what, but I, I just find it interesting that, um, you know, I would put in, – in basketball, I would put, you know, Kentucky and, and Duke in sort of that same category. Still very good programs, no doubt about it. But um, this idea that they're they, they're the only ones that get all the talent is just not the case anymore. I mean, it's it's really sort of spread well, out. Well, Louisville
2: clobber Notre Dame. They got twenty five new people, right?
4: Yeah. So is that better? I don't know. It's it's better for the kids. I mean, the Caleb Williams at USC is making you know a huge amount of money but but i look at uh, caitlin clark the women's basketball player at at iowa who who it, it was released that she's making about a million dollars a year and she 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 has one more year of eligibility after this year because of the covid year and normally you know she wouldn't take that she would just graduate as a fourth year senior after this season but she's stands to make more money staying in college for one more year than going to the wnba that's interesting
2: <laughs> well do you do you, i try and put somewhat of a, a split on this and I you know, I don't know if I should. Uh between actually I put it I used to have a bifurcation, now it might be a trifurcation or a quadfurcation. The the NIL stuff is is defined by the Supreme Court. Uh, was essentially and I'll use doctor J's brother Paul, the late Paul and a real nice guy. He couldn't get a job modeling like flannel shirts in the summer when he was going to Berkeley. He's a contemporary of uh who was the, was the coach of the Bears, the coach at Washington, what's his name? He was on the same team as... Uh, Ron Rivera? Ron Rivera. Uh, w- which is absurd, cause they, because they, Berkeley said, we own your image and likeness. You know, for the two girls that were playing uh, basketball in Georgia or volleyball that were insanely attractive, couldn't get a modeling job because they were playing volleyball for Georgia Southwest or someplace. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that, you know, that's ridiculous, I think. So that, that's what I think the Supreme Court sort of ruled on. And, and some of the people you're talking about leaving maybe leaving the girl in Iowa you know that she has you know she's she's a big time star certainly in women's basketball and to young girls all over the place. It wouldn't surprise me that she's worth a boatload as a sponsored person
4: yeah she just signed a huge deal yeah, with and, Nike yeah, she signed yeah, a huge and, deal with state Farm. she's attractive
2: she's intelligent you know good for her I, but, that, but that to me is not the same as You know, some big fat ass guard showing up at Iowa or Notre Dame, and all of a sudden there's a a group together. It's going to pay the guy 150 grand. It has nothing to do with his image and likeness, or whether he can talk, or anybody wants his face in it. You're paying for play. You're paying for play. Right. That to me is a totally different game.
4: I agree, and I I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent, um, because I would argue that th- those guys were always getting paid. Yeah. But what's what's mm. interesting is that, like you said a minute ago, po- probably the reason why Clemson is nowhere near where where they were after, you know ever since this came out is because they can no longer stack players, and those guys are if you're if you don't if you're not a starter as a freshman and uh louisville or you know whoever michigan state uh says hey we'll we'll give you a yep. hundred grand come here and, and you'll start that's interesting i don't i don't know if that's good or bad i mean personally i'm all for people getting paid for what they do so it's it's like if it's it, if that's what the market says these kids are worth then then right on but well, I, I don't, know I don't the, like the sleazy coaches and and yeah that, that level but i'm not so
2: sure boosters basking in the reflected glory necessarily makes
4: a market. Well, it clearly has made a market. Well, it's when made they,
2: a, a market of some kind, yeah. yeah.
4: Just <laughs> because we're not good enough to be in it doesn't mean it's not a market. Well,
2: I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is that's uh, the, the 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 young ladies or the guys that are actually... I mean, the, the kid from Southern Cal actually does have enough celebrity status and he's articulate, where if he shows up at some place and gets paid to talk, he can actually do it, right? I mean, it's not the same as... Oh, by the way, show up at George's Pizza once a week and eat a pizza, just be standing there, and uh, we'll give you a hundred grand. I, I would say, it, you essentially become employees of people, and I, and I think you and I have agreed that some people uh, have deserved to get paid, kind of all along. As I mean, when I was in school, uh, these guys were able to have a summer vacation. They were they were able to have a real life, as a, even if you were a football player. I mean, you showed up as. The school five days before everybody else started practice, or maybe it was seven days, and that was about it. I mean, you and you were done before Thanksgiving, and the Irish didn't even go to a bowl game before I got there. So I mean, you, it, it, it sort of even was an extracurricular activity. Now you and I know that there's uh, there's always been somebody who helped these guys out a little bit. I mean, my cousin played for Car- Colorado, and he's eighty something uh, back in the day, and he you know there was a guy that kind of took care of him, but it didn't it did. But it's it's still not... You just said the same thing a lot of my Notre Dame guys are saying. <clears throat> it was always there. The, the the level of degree, if you pay somebody 50 cents and all of a sudden 10 years later he's making 100 grand, you can't equate the two. I mean, My, my cousin was, R, was in ROTC so he could have mo- a job and have money while he was in college. So he was running track, playing football, and he was in ROTC getting paid. So if he, it's not the same as today where these kids don't do anything. You know what I'm saying? It, the degree is, is dramatically different. But again, to get back to the... What, what, what do you make about the fact that you're essentially an employee of the person, not the person you work for? You have any, I mean, I have an issue with that. I, I don't know what to do about it. In other words, if if, uh, if I hire you for Under Armour and say you need to go to Notre Dame, Notre Dame says you've got to be at practice at 8 o'clock or 6 o'clock in the morning, they're sort of your employer, yet I'm paying it. I mean, who who, who gets the workman's comp? Is that happening? I don't know. <clears throat> sure is. <clears throat> well, I mean, the, these these groups are paying
4: these kids. Not the university. Well, the groups are, yeah, but you mentioned a specific company.
2: Well, I mean, Nike, you think, well, one of our, you know, uh, my buddy Kendall, one of his friends, his son's in high school. He just got some huge deal from somebody. Let's say Nike. I don't know if it's Nike. Well, the kid is not going to go to Notre Dame, an Under Armour school, and get paid by Nike. I mean, really? I mean, he's an employee of Nike. To damn near correct. I mean, he's he's a he's not an everyday employee, but you don't think that they're going to have that, that, that if he the toss up is between Oregon and Notre Dame, he's not going to Oregon, which is a Nike school. I don't know. Well, I mean, if, they, if you were Nike, how would you like that
1: one?
4: Yeah, Kevin writes in. Don't you think Nike will still still pay Kate, Caitlin Clark when she's a pro? Of course, yeah. I, I assume she'll still get paid, but there's no doubt. I mean. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, but in my opinion, her her celebrity and her visibility in college sports is much, much higher than it will be in the WNBA. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, we, I just we, I can't see. So I think her value to strike while the iron is, is hottest is right now her senior year in college basketball. I mean, we saw how it, they started putting her games on national TV every single time she played last season because she was breaking every single ratings record um, in the history she's of terrific. women's sports, she's terrific. And at the WNBA, that's just not going to happen. I don't. I don't think. I could be wrong, but in the WNBA, it just doesn't have that that kind of. But visibility there's there's, as there's a
2: chance. Is. There's a real chance if you put her name on women's basketball shoes, they sell. If you put Tom Howell, backup guard at Notre Dame's name on a, on a football shoe, they're going to go. Who's yeah? He? But but you
4: know. three years ago, Chief, she wouldn't have got a nickel. I
2: I, I get it. I'm saying. In my, how am so I there's saying? clearly a market stutter, for I'm it, and I'm here. glad that she's getting paid. But I say, I'm, I'm stuttering here because I she deserves it because she went and got Everyone it.
4: Everyone deserves whatever they get. I,
2: I'm saying they've picked her out. That's different than me saying whoever the backup tackle is, here's a hundred grand. That's that's not. In my I don't
4: think people just throw around a hundred grand to bad I, bad players. I mean, th- that's a lot of money. Th-
2: in order to recruit somebody. I guess where I'm going with this is there, there are people that are getting the name, image, and likeness as it was somewhat defined, literally, yeah. loosely. Other people, now the offensive line at a school is, min- is going to get a minimum 100 grand.
4: Well, yeah, you're paying because you want to see the team do well. Yes. Which is I different, think, I agree, than, yeah. than the name, image, and likeness. we no, I mean, in the, complete the, agreement there. Yeah,
2: so I'm saying that's, that's sort of, we're down to the point where somebody's paying these kids, I mean, somebody's paying these kids, and it's just not the school. I guess is, is that the model you and I would have four years ago. We were sitting here
4: talking like we are. Was that the model we would have envisioned? I mean, I, some people probably envisioned it. I don't know. Yeah, I, maybe not.
2: Well, and, and why do we? Why do I got to pay the women's fencing team if I don't want them? Why do, I don't think
4: anyone is paying them.
2: I don't think they are either. <laughs> <laughs> but by, by the way, as your as your little daughter is on the way, I got news for you. Is my my uh, niece? Uh, you can uh, women's women's. Girls' fencing classes start at age four or something. If oh, you want the little one to become an Olympic fencer and get a scholarship to Notre Dame, you got to, you can start her out at four or five. <laughs> God, SP Futures up twenty, Nasdaq is up seventy three. Be right back, Mister Helsnar.
1: The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air. Stocks, jocks, stocks
2: and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here,
5: right now, right
2: now. Yes. There's something happening here. Well, North Bank Saxon Jackson Metword on the board. Exactly. SV features up twenty, NASA features up seventy-three. So it looks like we have a bullish day here. We've got all well, the TLT, which was down, now is back to almost unchanged. So the rundown in the 10 year rate, uh, at least has paused here a little bit. We'll see how far that how far that goes. Um, do we have the professor.
0: Hey Tom, what's up?
2: How are you? I'm doing well. Um hey, I want to ask you, I got this uh article here from uh uh, sent to us by uh, by Lou michaels the uh, I mean, it has to do with um, the defense department i don 't know if you've been following or who we 've been trying to keep sort of track of how the supply stuff and everything is working for uh you know you know we 're giving a lot of de- defense stuff to Ukraine and people like that and uh i 'm trying to find it here but uh, Lou Michaels sent us an article yesterday uh, here it 's uh why America is out of ammunition and the article is by uh, uh well, I probably should, should have sent this out. Uh, Matt Stoller, um, because uh, Mike has talked about, and this is this is kind of right up your your alley, I think, as we talk about this all over the place. We talk about antitrust. And they were saying that you know, part of it maybe was, uh, according to Mike anyway, was Rumsfeld wanting this just-in-time inventory where you, you were kind of tied into suppliers and so forth. And, and this guy basically has a big article here that says, uh, one of the biggest issues is you've had such this 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 consolidation in the defense industry because in, in the defense department is they only got they only have two people in the entire defense department that worry about antitrust really I and mean, the Pentagon's bigger than a city for god's sake there's like two people that worry about antitrust, and these places have been getting picked off picked off so now you don't have enough places we so if you go out for order, you can go out for a bid, but there's only two people put in the bid, so all you do is keep paying more and more and and you can't get delivery. You can't get whatever. And I just, you know, and when I am reading this article, I am thinking about I got to talk to the professor about this because it seems like in every industry, certainly in mine, the bureaucrats love less people. They like playing with big people. They don't. They don't. In my industry, they don't. They don't want independent market makers anymore. They don't want f- firms the size of PTI anymore. Why do we? Why do we waste our time with those guys? So we have more and more regulators and less and less companies. It seems, at least in our industry. You know, he says, and this guy says in the defense industry, you almost have to have more and more companies. I mean, it shouldn't only be one company making a certain bullet, for God's sake. How do you go for bid if there's only one person there? You know, if, have you done any, any work on this industry? I didn't realize they were that concentrated. Well, I know, like, you know, Lockheed took over uh, Lockheed Martin. It used to be Lockheed and Martin, right? Boeing used to be, uh, they took over McDonnell Douglas. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't realize that on the lower end, it's it's as bad. Now, Lou says in some of the new stuff, there's all kinds of small places out in Denver that are doing a lot of the software and a lot of those kinds of things, but in some of the old line stuff, the bullets and the missiles and everything, I guess it's... Have you ever done any, any study in there? I mean, what would your comment be on this?
0: Well, I haven't really done any economic studies on it, but it sounds like a typical story. Uh, government is the creator of monopoly, right? Yeah. Uh, and And the monopoly, whether it's the public school system, you know, in the inner city of uh, New York City or Baltimore, uh, or in this case, the Defense Department. So it's the creator of monopoly. And the thing about the monopoly is, uh, once a company has a monopoly and they're protected from competitors by government, they don't have to be responsive. They can say, "Oh, we'll get a to you when we get it to you." Right? In the Soviet Union, the uh, the television manufacturer, the oligarch that ran the television industry, uh, they were told to make X number of TVs Every month And by the way They didn't care If they blew up And were the number One cause of Apartment uh, apartment fire Right So The government is The creator of these Monopolies Uh, The government can say All it wants about Well it's all about Antitrust But you look at The public school system uh, You look at uh, The defense department I mean it, it creates cartels You look at pharmacy The FDA It's all interlocking too Right So you know They They create a system where they they result in one or two firms. Maybe one fir- one of those is making X and maybe the other is making Y. So one has a monopoly in X, one has a monopoly in Y. Uh, they don't have to be responsive at all to government. That allows them to push the price up. That's what mon- monopolists do. They restrict the supply, push the price up. And oh, by the way, uh, when these generals um, are done at the defense part, more do they get a job at. They get a job at these defense companies, right? Yeah. Because you gotta have those. You gotta have those strings, right? And those generals can pull, pull those strings. So to me, it's just uh, uh, more political corruption from the state.
2: Well, your your predecessor, uh, Milton Friedman, used to say one of the hardest things in the world is to maintain discipline in a cartel or to actually maintain a monopoly without government help.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, you, first you, you, you don't need. You right? don't need discipline when you got government protecting you from your competitors, right? Yeah, I mean,
2: Camel need... Edison is fearless. I mean, you yeah. can't can't get at them because they're protected. Yeah, same way with Pfizer. Pfizer is pretty
0: well protected. I mean, Pfizer doesn't have any product liability with its COVID uh, shots, right? Right. It has zero liability because Trump. uh, That's one reason why I'm not a fan of this. That's why I call it a shot. It's not a, a vaccine. A vaccine stops the spread and stops disease, like the polio vaccine, right? This the shot doesn't do that, and now we're calling flu shots.
2: Vaccines. By the way, you it's, see, it's nuts. You see what's it, it's it's that nuts. It's it's re- revision. If you go to the yeah. if you go into the, I actually, you know, you know what I did. Well, to me, it's nuts. But to me, I mean, in reality, it's just government, right? Well, I mean, you know what I did. I, I went out. This is a, in a foolish move. One of my one of the listeners of the show advised me, Chief, if you can find one, like in an estate sale or something, grab a Webster's from like forty years ago because you better save it. Because we're we're changing the definitions of everything. I think if you look up vaccine on the internet now, it'll it'll say that the that that the uh, COVID thing is a vaccine. They've changed they've changed yeah. the definition of vaccine.
0: Yeah, but Trump gave um, Pfizer legal immunity.
2: But when you and I are, and so
0: Pfizer can make a product, and they if it if it's bad for people, they can't be sued because right. Trump gave them that legal immunity, and Biden extended it.
2: Well, you know. I, I sort of have a question and, and, and on where this whole uh, thing, medical area, is going. They've essentially put, for lack of a better term, they've put the, the family doctor out of business. I mean, they, don't, they don't give shots. They don't do anything anymore. Uh, and all this stuff is essentially going to the drugstore. If you go to the drugstore, pick up a prescription, there's eight people waiting for a shot.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh,
2: but now these guys are having trouble. With The Walgreens and the CVSs are closing stores, and, and they're they're not... Don't seem to make any money either. Is it all just with the with the with the uh, pharmacy places? And I mean, where, where is where is all the dough? Is it all just in, is it in the administration? Is it in the the back and forth of the paperwork? I mean, doctors. I'm going to say make less now than they made ten years ago, in any, any kind of real numbers. And and they've actually they've actually squashed the guys and ladies by insurance. So th- there isn't a there isn't a I mean, a doctor used to be the on, on, on the top end of the pay scale. They're not anymore. I mean in every hospital it's it's the people running the place that make all the money right
0: yeah just like at a university right yeah um professors uh make probably i would say a professor at a small local arts college makes uh an average of maybe eighty thousand a year if i'm if I'm generous maybe ninety depending on what city it is and administrators are probably pushing a hundred and twenty hundred and forty right you know they used to say uh you uh uh if you can't uh, if you can't uh, be successful in business You teach If you can't teach You become a college administrator I think now it's become If you want to get rich uh, In education Don't be a teacher Be an administrator
2: Oh yeah Yeah And, 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 there's, and there's so many people It's uh, I think it, I looked at uh, for Cal Berkeley It's it's a 10 to 1 ratio Of indirect versus direct Hmm First of all, in this day and age, does anyone know what I just said? Indirect versus direct? Anybody know what that, how many people in your class wouldn't even know what that definition is?
0: I have a hard time getting them to calculate a percent change.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a for for those that don't know what the hell I'm talking about, if you if you're building a, a car or a railroad car or a fence, the person who actually builds the railroad car, he's he's a direct employee. He's working on the, he's welding the thing. So for all the people that are actually working there, those are well, they call that direct labor. And all the other schmucks like I was, those are indirect labor. And the ratio of one to the other is usually fairly telling, right? Yeah. And
0: well, monopolies monopolies can have uh, really bloated administrations, right? They it's all expense.
2: It's all expense, right? Because
0: they, they have above market prices. They have large markups. And if they have protection from government, those, those margins are protected. A, a small competitive company, they're going to have tight margins. And they're going to be lean and mean. Right. And well, only the people that can make money are going to be um, employed at those firms.
2: Well, the model of uh, a utility is if, if Uncle Hal is the CEO and he gives himself a million dollar bonus, not only does he pocket the million, the million becomes cost. And then the, they're, they're, they're sort of uh, the rules are that they get a certain re- return on their costs. So you know now you get to make more money because you have million dollars more in quote cost, even though it's not cost of anything, it's just a salary, a bonus. Right? So and, and nowhere in there are you supposed to say, gee, Commonwealth Edison's cost uh price to people is, you know, two bucks a kilowatt hour and by the way, Montana's is fifty cents. What are we doing here? We we never we don't ever have a, a cross reference like that, do we?
0: No, no. Well, that's because uh, these entities are monopolies and some monopolies in certain states um, have more protection and, and, uh, uh, from government. So right. some are more protected than others, right? Montana, I suspect that a lot of people probably live off-grid. Um, they, they, they have land probably to build um, solar panels or or they're using geothermal. Uh, so they have, I think they have a lot more choices in a place like Montana than you have in Chicago, Illinois. Well, you sure, got, I don't know you got you got no choice but
2: you use Con Edison, right? Well, you got more more uh, tumbleweeds. You got more rabbits. You got all kinds of stuff. More, on, yeah. I mean, <laughs> some you don't necessarily. Don't, want. Don't have more crime. They don't have more crime though. But you in order to have crime, you got to have criminals. They don't have anybody up there. Well, if you're a criminal, why not? How would you go to Montana? <laughs> well, there's nobody really rob out there, right? That's and Right. There's nobody to rob, rob.
0: Somebody,
2: well, who's the if guy? If you guy rob is...
0: somebody in Montana, you're
2: going to rob somebody that's probably carrying a shotgun. Well, that's well, who was the, the guy <laughs> said why, why do you rob banks? And the guy said that's where the money is. Who, 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 it wasn't Clyde Barrow. Who was it? John Dillinger well, there's,
0: there's guys in Montana with. money, but they also got armed security too.
2: <laughs> well, so okay, so how you look at a let's let's instead of just you know cursing the darkness here, let's try and light a candle. Let let's look at the defense industry and say we would really like ten more suppliers or twenty more suppliers of stuff when we go out there for bid. I'm tired of going out for bid and even two people show up. It's like going for Oops. bid on an expressway here in Chicago and seeing Walsh and you know, like one other place show up. I mean, I I really want a bidding, a, you know, I really want a bidding thing here. Well, you're, you're not going. Right. I mean, lost you
0: there for a second. I lost you there. for I'm a
2: saying, second. If, okay, if we're going to try and quote fix the problem, yeah. all right. Now we're, we're not we're not going to break Boeing back up into Boeing and McDonnell Douglas. I mean, it, if we wanted to do that. It's going to take us two decades, and by the time we get it done, it, you know we're all we're all dead for God's sake. By the way, Willie Sutton, not John Dillinger. Okay, wrong. Uh, what's what's the difference? You know, the the uh, that, he's right there. That's where the money is, man. Yeah. Um, the uh, so it we're, we're not going to go breaking these people up. I mean, it took ten years to break up telephone and you know all that kind of stuff. So how do how do we get competition in the mix? Do we? Uh, you, you can't just give people incentives, they do this with minority stuff sometimes, and I'm not saying it's because of minorities or whatever, they give somebody incentives to get in the in the mix and they say, okay 10% of the stuff has to go to minority businesses and so they give money or somebody gives money and, and fakes like it's a minority business or maybe it really is and then there's a new bullet manufacturer and two years later they sell out their big guys and there's no discipline on that either so how do you actually get I mean, how do you how do you force startups? I mean, we're, we're not as entrepreneurial in this country as we used to be. Plus, if I'm one of those companies, I don't know how much you're going to tr- how good you're going to treat me once once I actually do this and decide to do it for you. Do you have to give me capital? Do you do you got to give me part of somebody's patent? I mean, I, don't, I guess my question is, how, how exactly do you turn back the clock so that we want when we go to bid? There's actually people bidding. Imagine that. Now, how do you even do that? How once you once you've gone once you've you know the mayor asked me once in the club. Uh, what do you have to do to get Pullman back? I said, Mayor, it's gone. All the welding machines sitting in the corner, all the punch presses, all of it—they're gone. You know, you can't start from scratch. For God's sake, how much money would you need? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, unfortunately,
0: I- unfortunately, I don't think there's any uh, solution to more competition in this industry because, for one, these banks, like Silicon Valley Bank, uh, you know, I, I don't think they were going to uh, finance a startup to build bullets. They're just not going to do it. Uh, the, the the these, uh, this industry is being debanked. Um, so I I just don't see how we're gonna get more more competition there. We're just not gonna get it. So it's it's like Pullman. It's you know it's dead.
2: Well, but if if you were a, you know if you were a, Trump, to his credit, tried to say, hey look, we we can't have a defense industry here if we don't have any steel companies. Yeah, and, and I think he was right about that. Now whether or not you know, what he did or anything after made any difference or not. I, that, You know, I don't know that much about the industry, but I mean, if you and I and, and the, the American people or somebody, if they ever could focus on something, we decide, hey, you can't have a defense industry if we don't have a defense industry. I mean, duh. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I guess, how do you I mean, how do you break the uh, Commonwealth Edisons? If, if you said, look, I put up with these people for 110 years. I don't want them here anymore. We got We got to fix this. How do you break it? I mean, I mean, how do you go back to where something is competitive? Because everybody gets so. What about my industry? How do you go back to having more than four people or five people? How many putting orders to the floor? Why can't we have five? Why, why can't competition be inclusive instead of exclusive? I mean, you know, the board yeah. of trade—they don't want anybody there. They just, they just want to charge people for quotes and give the guy fly around his, his private jet. I mean, if if we actually wanted to do it, I'm not even sure I'd know how to do it. Would you? Well, the, the, the issue is. Uh Populism, right? And going
0: back to what Trump did with the steel, I actually don't agree with it. In my, in my microeconomics courses, I talk about this quite a bit. Um, instead of uh, instead of uh, slamming China for subsidizing steel and uh, aluminum, which lowers the price that we have to pay for it, we should be celebrating that and then telling and encouraging China to subsidize, subsidize those industries even more. And if we have to get that uh, aluminum and steel. From China then you know what China has to be nice to us because they want to sell it to us and we have to be nice to them because we want to buy it from them and if, if we want to buy it when it's cheap buy a ton of it when it's cheap put it in some reserve somewhere right so that actually leads to less war when we put up trade barriers uh, to China's still and aluminum that creates animosity we don't have to get it from China anymore we can get it from the one or two suppliers of the United States and, oh, by the way, now they have a monopoly because they don't have to deal with the competition overseas. And that actually leads... That that's actually encourages um, war. Uh, so trade wars always end up in... Well, they tend to end up in bomb and bullet wars. So that's one thing. But with regard to energy, we, they, we have all kinds of these new innovations coming out. Uh, you have these little micro-nuclear reactors that you can put in towns that are really safe. You can put them in a town... And a town that puts in a a, a portable nuclear uh, uh, power plant, electrical power plant, uh, they don't. The the people of the town can buy it from the town, or they can buy it from the state's uh, protected monopoly. In your case, Con Edison, right? So there's there's things we can do, but I don't think you're getting any competition in the defense department. One, they don't want it, and two, banks aren't going to finance it.
2: Well, I mean, this whole idea with this nuclear stuff is talk to- car- I'm sorry, Carl talks about it all the time. The, the new ways you can actually have nuclear power, its it's a lot safer and uh you know you can actually turn well, it's the cleaner thing. too. It's a lot cleaner. But yeah. somehow or another we don't seem to want that. Plus we don't want the uh we don't want the breeder reactor either for some reason. I mean there, there's Well you know, you
0: can you can you can store that waste pretty safely uh eight thousand feet above the water table in Nevada. My my uncle Steve drove the trucks the concrete trucks <clears throat> into the mountain where they were creating these storage facilities uh for Uranium and people are like we don't want uranium in, in the mountains. Well, you know what? Uranium occurs naturally in nature, and it's not helpful. If if you were, if you come across uranium in nature, it's going to make you sick. If you put it deep inside a mountain, eight thousand above feet above a water table, and it's encased in borated concrete, it's pretty darn safe. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to make anybody sick.
2: I, I don't disagree, but I mean yeah. we have we have all kinds of uh, people that are against. Oh, by the way. You, um, what you just mentioned was something that uh, Milton Friedman used to say all the time regarding subsidies. Uh, but I don't think what has happened between us and China over the last forty years is necessarily a subsidy. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the the subsidy was if you know if some country were to subsidize their industries uh, and and export stuff to gain an advantage, the receiving country ends up as a plus, like you're saying, because if I can get Uh, you know, the price of steel for a building a lot cheaper, guess what, the price of concrete and all this other stuff that's made here becomes more dear, and that shouldn't necessarily go up, and it should be an advantage to us and not to them. But if you use it, I'm not so sure if you string that out over a period of time to where you lose the capability, they are able, it's not really a subsidy, it's uh, child labor and all the other stuff, damn near slavery like they have in China. I don't know if that's necessarily an advantage, because now all your workers... Uh, essentially, you have to drop to the bottom line, I mean it, meaning that they should make fifty cents an hour as well
0: Be, well, the thing about um, that though is uh, we had child labor in the 1800s and through economic development and growth, uh, we got to the point where kids don 't need to work anymore right? uh, my kids don 't work so eventually China is going to uh, grow out of if they are using child labor they 're going to grow out of it.
2: Well here's where right now they
0: they right now they have a twenty a percent unemployment rate amongst young people. So
2: we didn't uh um, we didn't we didn't grow out of child labor here. We we, we had laws against it.
0: Well I, I think the laws were um were ex post. I think they were after the fact. Because uh you know, when you're a farmer in the eighteen hundreds, um you're gonna use child labor to especially out west where there's very little water, you're gonna use them as basically slaves. You're, you're, they're going to they're going to work for room and board, and that was the case up through the 1920s and 30s. But then all of a sudden, uh, instead of digging potatoes out of the ground by hand, you had machinery that would dig it out of the ground for you, and all you had to do is bag it from the ground into the burlap bags. And then eventually, they put a boom on it and they pulled it with a tractor, and they were able to put those potatoes in the back of a, a truck bed. And then eventually, they instead of using two row diggers, they're using like eight row diggers, and uh, the advancements in agriculture are the reason why uh, farms today are these uh, uh, very complex uh, operations where the uh, farmer in Wyoming or Utah or Idaho probably has to have a master's degree in agriculture because uh, they're data driven. They're using technology to micro to micromanage the uh, amount of uh, pesticide and herbicide that is placed on the plants—plants plants that don't need it, don't get it; plants that need it, get it. So now it's a high-tech industry, and you don't need a lot of uh, human workers for that. So, uh, in my opinion, child labor was eliminated by all these advancements in technology—robots.
2: Uh, I, uh, I don't, I don't know about that. I, if you go back on the labor numbers far enough, I actually have them buried here somewhere, uh, somewhere in the '30s. The amount of people—if you look right now at your, at your labor report every month that we go over with Carl—and yeah. it'll say the, uh, the, the potential civilian work, workforce—it's everybody over the age of 16 that's not in jail, right? Yeah. It used to be over the age of 14. Yeah. If you go back far enough, well, they basically said 14 and 15 year olds are out. I mean, I, the, the in, in the South in, in the original uh, fabric mills and stuff, a lot of the girls in there working were 14 and 15. I mean, that think that, that, that came well, down from on high. But, did, but,
0: they, but they needed to because the family is poor, and one way to pull yourself out of poverty was to employ everybody in your family. Well, but you don't really need to do that anymore.
2: But but what, I think what happened was, when you pull those people out of the labor force, okay, you, you drop your supply, so they had to raise the prices to get the other people there, so you end up the family probably made as much without the 14-year-old working as they did before. Well, if
0: you eliminate uh, uh, a huge chunk of the labor supply right um, that pushes the wages up in those right. um, particular counties or states which is what you want to have and, and for that reason maybe the firm leaves to find lower price labor somewhere else
2: well you know what if they got they got to hire 14 year old girls let them go yeah but what, what I'm saying is
0: when you're developing uh, you know 200 years ago everybody worked I mean you probably working when you're I was working on my my mom and dad's farm when I was uh, eight years old. I was driving a tractor like at nine or ten. Um, so today, in a, in if, a my, line. If, I, if I grew up in today's world, I probably wouldn't have to work until I'm 16 or 17. I can, because... only, I
2: can only imagine what the what the rows look like with the nine-year-old Carl or <laughs> Hal driving the tractor. It must have looked like a Etch-A-Sketch well, walk, for God's sake. I
0: wasn't, I wasn't doing the disking. I was doing the harrowing, so it didn't matter if I made uh, figure eights on the field.
2: <laughs> it probably, probably looked like you, you, you're... If you were walking home from the bar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, I was an economist back then, and I knew that if I went straight up and down the rows, I'd finish uh, quicker. If I was all over the place, it'd take me longer. So I was an economist back then. I was minimizing my effort. I did the same thing with mowing the yard. I found the shortest uh, path pattern to mowing the grass because it was always my job to mow the grass.
2: Um, Buddy and I used to do uh, some guy's yard, we did like two or three yards. But we, one guy was was two and a quarter, right? So we each got a, a buck, and we went over to the end store, and a, and a bottle of pop was twelve cents. So we each got a, a bottle of pop, and there was a couple of things or a pe- penny candies. We got two of them, so we got two of those, and each had one, so It was an even split. <laughs> and then you got two cents from the bottle back for a deposit. Then you get two more things of penny candy. What <laughs> nice. different world, eh? The. Yep. Uh, you know what? Why don't we bring deposit back for bottles instead of throwing all this stuff out? What am I missing?
0: Well, no, they got de- they got deposits in uh, Michigan. You got uh, ten cent bottles, right? Remember the Kramer scram? That's still going on. Scam?
4: Yeah, some. And states. then a
0: guy in Arizona was busted because he took a bunch of bottles from Arizona. He trucked them to California to turn them in at ten cents a bottle instead of five cents a bottle. He did the Kramer in California. That was just like a a summer or two ago, and California punished him for doing it. Why? Because he, they, they said he's defrauding uh, the state. I, I, I don't understand it. He was you know, returning bottles, and we want to encourage people to recycle. But when I came across that article, I was just uh, floored by it. In New York City, people will go around to your garbage, and they'll dig out the bottles and cans, harvest them for you, and then they take them to the Seatown the grocery store where they have a, a bottle machine that collects the bottles and cans.
2: Okay, well, how did, how did this become, was a simple question here, how did, how did this become a governmental thing? The reason why there was a deposit on bottles is you reused them. Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't reuse the ones, the, the states, they just want to bring them back to keep them out of the landfill, and they crush them, right? What do they do with them? Recycle Well, they probably
0: recycle the plastic, right? Yeah. They'll, they'll recycle the plastic, and uh, they'll recycle the linemen, right? Uh, they'll mix the recycled aluminum yeah, so
2: plastic like, in the curtain. It's not like supply. bringing, yeah, it's not like bringing the beer bottle back and then they refill yeah. it. I mean, then yeah. there's no recycle to do there. You use it again. Oh, well. By the way, my grand,
0: my grandpa my grandpa in his old uh, horse shed that he used for his garage later on, he used to have a bottle machine in there, a pop bottle machine. And it was one of those vertical ones or those horizontal ones where you slid the pop bottle. I have one of those. Out into the into the opening.
2: You yes. had to
0: slide it horizontally. you manually. yeah manually. Well, my cousins and I got really smart, and what we did is we popped the pop bottles, and we put a straw in there, and we drank it from the machine. <laughs>
2: <Nice>. <laughs> I was going to say, otherwise you had to dunk it in the water and screw it all up. <laughs> anyway, s p Future's up 26. Future's up, man, I have one of those Coke coolers. I, I don't have the in, the internal slider, but I actually have the cooler. Yeah, work. the
0: internal slider was, we, we figured it out, man. We oh, cracked God. that case. <laughs>
2: and, and, and all of a sudden, he became a professor, man. <laughs> yeah, we hacked it, man. We hacked it. <laughs> we'll be right back,
4: Stacks and jacks.
2: I am sure you are aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we have always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like MAM interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks.
4: Stocks and
5: jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now.
2: Hello and welcome back to Staction Jackson. I'm Tom Alman. We're on the board. SB Futures up 25, NASA Futures up 90. We're trying to do a... yesterday we were uh, down and came back, and then we actually came back almost flat on the close. But so today maybe we'll have our our update here. because uh, normally we go down on Friday, normally lately, and if nothing bad happens in the world over the weekend, nothing horrible, uh, then we go up on the next couple of days of the week and then we go down to the end of the week. We'll see if that pattern holds uh, over in Europe. These guys sort of a mixed bag, but up a little bit. Dex up twenty one point one percent. FTSE down four point. Call that flat. Tech around up thirty six point five. So let's say they're mildly up over there. Or in Asia, Nikkei up sixty two point two percent. Hang Seng down one eighty. That's a full one percent. Under seventeen thousand sixteen nine nine one. The Shanghai is up twenty three point eight percent. So those guys are going different directions a lot of the days now for whatever reason yesterday, like I said, it was kind of an odd day, we ducked right at the close Dow Jones down 190, S&P down 7, Nasdaq was actually up 34 the magnificent 7 stocks were up, Nvidia was up a bunch uh, bonds, 10 year up, up one basis point, 4.85 uh, out of 1 minus 3, uh, 2.83 Again, yesterday morning we came in, the 10 year was over 5% so that's why the market was down, then it came back because that thing fell off uh, Japan down one basis point point eight five so it's all bonds like when I first started it's all bonds uh, oil up six six cents to eighty five fifty five Brent up nine cents eighty nine ninety two natural gas up three cents two ninety six our Bob unchanged two thirty one uh, crypto uh, Bitcoin up thirty three hundred bucks this thing has had a huge move in the last day it was twenty thousand forever now it's thirty four thousand six fifty nine and we've got the US dollar which has been quiet it's actually up some today. Uh, it's, the euro's uh, down to 106, and the pound is down to 122. It's actually kind of the biggest move we've seen in a dollar in a while. But anybody we have for traffic weather sports.
4: 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning, once again to everyone out there. We have a couple of crashes to report here uh, as we enter the uh, the rush hour on a Tuesday morning. A couple on I-57 to begin with, uh, outbound side at. Halstead, exit 357, there is a crash uh, on I-57, and then if you're coming inbound side, uh, at 159th Street, there's a crash. So two issues on I-57, one in each direction that have crews on the scene. No issues on the Ryan uh, or the Bishop Ford at this hour. Stevenson Traffic Building, but no accidents to report. Same for the Eisenhower. We'll get in travel times in a little bit. Only other crash in the area is on the Jane Addams Westbound, just before Barrington Road. As far as travel times are concerned, uh, O'Hare into downtown on the Kennedy, we're at 79 minutes. Eden's into downtown, 81 minutes. That's an hour and 21 minutes uh, from uh, Deerfield Road into uh, downtown. Uh, Other slow-moving expressways, looks like inbound Dan Ryan, 95th into downtown, is at 37 minutes, so not that bad. Weather today, a beautiful late October day. Sunshine. Some wind gusts, uh, but uh, warm temperatures, a high of 77. Right now it's clear and 60 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 84. Right now it's clear and 70. In sports, Diamondbacks advance to Game 7, uh, beating the Phillies 5-1 to one last night in Game 6. So they'll look to uh, to win that series and head to the World Series, where they would take on the Rangers, who uh, beat the Astros 11-4, winning Game 7 in their series. In hockey, Blackhawks were off last night. They'll host the Bruins tonight at the United Center. That's a 7.30 p.m. puck drop. The Coyotes were off there at the L.A. Kings. And in Monday Night Football, it was the Vikings over the 49ers, 22-17. to 17. So, Maddie,
2: uh, for those that don't know, Maddie has a lovely little daughter, and he's got another one on the way momentarily. She might be coming now during the show. We don't know. Hopefully not. Uh, do this week. Are you do? Uh, are you pushing? I know you want the college scholarship for the young lady in the – Name, image, and likeness. That would be good. And if she looks anything like your wife, she'll certainly be uh, – they'll, they'll want her name, image, and likeness. Um, are we doing fencing? Are we doing softball
4: pitcher? Where are we going? If, if she's not tall enough, we can't really do volleyball. Well, I'm pushing basketball. Um, that's uh, – for me, that would be the most fun sport to uh, participate in as far as coaching and uh, things like that.
2: I'll make sure that she wants you as But if coach. she doesn't,
4: well, I would help. I'd volunteer. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd under, I understand the game. I played I could help with that Uh, I don't know the other games you mentioned certainly I don't know anything about fencing I don't know much about volleyball Um, women's softball uh, that would be fun I would be good with that soccer if she wanted to play soccer that would be fine Um, but I'm I'm really I'm really hoping she likes basketball I got a hoop in her bathtub where she gets shots up I got a hoop in the basement where she gets shots up I got a hoop in the backyard so uh, you know we'll we'll see if she takes to it or not
2: well the guy who's sitting right next to you uh, Dan Howe, president of PTI Securities, has two lovely granddaughters, my I guess, grand nieces, and he was over uh, watching the girls softball over the weekend and asking the guy the rule, rules about pitching, so he could teach how to pitch.
4: Yeah, that's something I would need to know too, because I don't know the rules for women's fast. Well, it's somewhat
2: complicated. You got to keep. You can lunge, but you got to. One foot's always got to be on the ground, and it's all changed because. Yeah. It, so you got to get, get up on this stuff. I'll help you out. You know, we'll. we'll I don't know nothing about fencing, so I can't help you there. <laughs>
4: yeah, me neither.
2: Plus, how, how, do you, how do you get your name, image, and likeness out there if you're wearing a mask? Yeah, you don't do that. I
4: don't think you're making much money, money when you got the mask on. Of
2: course, you can be, uh, the girl in you know her name was, they've been NCAA f- ladies fencing champions, because the, the girl came as a freshman, she was already an Olympic gold medalist. Wow. So if you got her on your team, I think you're doing pretty good.
4: Yeah, I would say so. that's a good start.
2: It's a good it's a good start. Um Anyway, everybody's uh really hoping for the best another one just like uh the the two little girls and see if how Maddie puts up with that you know you'll you'll be fine,
4: yeah, I can't get a word in edgewise anyway, so it doesn't really matter at this point
2: at least you got a male dog
4: yeah i, I just kind of hang out with him
2: <laughs> God. well, nobody knows more about that than Hal with the triplets uh <laughs> are you pushing them towards any sport Hal?
0: um we're just uh trying to survive each day uh, you're you're a successful parent when everybody it's fed and everybody's asleep and everybody's safe.
2: <laughs> you made it through the day and one more day down. There you yeah.
0: go. Triplets hey. with you know changing diapers and feeding them and burping them and trying to get them to go to sleep. That was uh, about all we could do.
2: <laughs> God, well, you know, and this is this is in the modern the modern era. You know, it's funny when you watch you know some of these old films and stuff. I know I've said this a million times, my mom, when she was eighteen, she watched *Gone with the Wind*. And all she thought about were the parties and the dresses. And when she was thirty-five, all she saw were the wounded. You know, your perspective changes as you. Yeah. I was watching. I have a a, actually a film in my place. It's the one that uh, the official film used to show in Boulder City of the of the building of Hoover Dam. And obviously, as a construction project, anybody who's interested in anything having to do with you know just construction and people building stuff and it's one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen. You know, during but the second time I watched it. I kept noticing other stuff these people during the depression they showed up like a couple of months early, thinking they were going to start business they had rumors that they were going to start building this dam and they, they and they essentially parked their cars and set up tents right next to the river, you know a little bit upstream of where the the dam was going to be, and they' are living there and and this is this is hell 's ha- half acre i mean it's hundred inches of hell yeah. and these these ladies are walking around with like babies. And they're boiling water from the river because it was so muddy. And there's no nothing to grow down there just waiting to get a job. And you're sitting there going, holy, we think we got it tough? Really? I mean, come on. I mean, uh, can you imagine having, like, twins when there's no hospitals, there's no no formula, there's no – I mean, it's unreal what those people but yeah. and it's
0: yeah. The advances in technology were were incredible. There's a really cool history uh, written by Rose Wilder uh, Lang, She's a uh, feminist libertarian uh, pioneer. She was the high, one of the highest paid journalists during the uh, World War One, World War II era. She's Lori Engle Wilder's daughter. And she wrote this book called The Discovery of Freedom. And what it really is, it's a history of common people throughout the world. And um, It's got to be brutal. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it's brutal because she talks about how... Her dad was uh, her dad or her grandpa was a upstanding member of society in Minnesota, and he lived in a, a mound of dirt. He lived in a house built of dirt, and he was a standing member of society. And that, so, in a couple generations, we went from that to people living in uh, high-rise um, buildings in New York City. You know, and I and I, I, I we walked the Brooklyn Bridge, and I'm amazed at how people back in the 1800s were able to build that thing man it's oh, just yeah. crazy, crazy yeah.
2: well how many people died from the bends or lived, lived a little more horrible life oh yeah
0: exactly or the, the people I mean you see the, the construction of the Empire State Building and you guys got you got guys up there on those I-beams that are not tethered to anything
2: Oh, no, they're sitting
0: right there they're having lunch on yeah. a freaking piece of wood yeah. that's yeah. above you know 100 floors up man it's crazy
2: but once what, you get up 20 or 30 like what's the thing? difference you know yeah but I mean, yeah, yeah the, the, the pictures of the, the Waldorf Astoria, eighteen guys sitting in a row having lunch, sitting on a beam. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and drinking their coffee and I'm going, hey, there's nothing below. It's like it's like I, I don't even but uh I can't I can't fathom it. It's just it's beyond
0: Well now think about this. If somebody from the nineteen seventies came and uh, just came and visited New York City Times Square and saw all these people talking to themselves, they would think Everybody was crazy oh, yeah. today, right? Because people have the Bluetooth in their ears, they, w- they wouldn't know how to comprehend that.
2: I still walk down a sidewalk and somebody says hello. I think they're saying hello to me, and I wonder why. And then it turns around, it's not me. <laughs> it's a, it's, but it, yeah. You know, the uh, during I want to talk more about these interest rates. But if you read Freedom from Fear, when uh, Roosevelt was in office, was who's his whose guy was Hopkins? Hopkins uh, hired this lady, for lack of a better term. She was uh, Eleanor Roosevelt's, one of her friends, I don't know what kind of friend, but a friend. Uh, and she was a journalist. So he, he basically, they bought her a car, you know, on, I guess, government expense, you know, a new car in 1930, whatever the hell it was, and uh, said, we want you to go around the country and send back letters of how people are actually doing in all these sections of the country. Yeah. And so she started out, and they gave her a driver. Where the hell she stayed every night, because there was, I don't think there were any motels or anything, I mean... Or hesitate to even wonder there was no McDonald's, not not just to get a big math, but to go to the bathroom. I mean, this poor lady yeah. had to be built to sturdy stuff, even with a car and a driver. Well, she yeah. went all through they, all through Appalachia. Can you, all the, the roads all had to be dirt, and uh, all the way south, basically came back and said that the the people that it was a tie, either the the, the gold gold uh, coal miners in West Virginia or the sharecroppers down south were in the worst shape. Then the coal miners were doing. You know, bacon, grease, and sawdust they're eating. And uh, and the, the sharecroppers, even though the government was giving money to the owners, they weren't giving it any, to anybody underneath them. So those people, were if they didn't, they didn't get a crap of tomatoes, they weren't eating. I mean, people were in just horrible, horrible shape. Yeah. Countrywide. And, and they didn't even know. There was no, nobody even cared. Well, uh, you know,
0: Rose Wilder, she goes to France uh, right after the war, right during the war. And she discovers people living in caves in France. And she thought they were homeless, and she was outraged. And she wrote this article about how Americans should donate money to it. So she goes back with the uh, Red Cross, and she's actually talking to the people, and they tell her, "This is how we've always lived. They was they weren't made homeless because of the war. They'd always lived in the caves."
2: Well, the pictures of the young, mostly Italian kids living in cellars, just as groups of kids, yep. during the during the Depression on, on on Mulberry Street in those areas of New York. Mulberry Street was not always a great spot. Down underneath the ground, there were people living down there. You know, kids yeah. were just well. Gangs
0: in New York. Gangs in New York uh, yeah. kind of uh, revealed that that history, right?
2: Did some of it, yeah. All right. So Daniel hell. D. Lewis.
0: Daniel D. Lewis, that movie is so good as the oh, butcher yeah. man. Holy smokes!
2: Hey, uh, we've got the interest rates where the ten year is uh, now four point eight four. Yesterday it yeah. nipped over five, and we've got this whole idea that the market. I mean, Joel you know he was convinced that there is no recession never will be a recession the market will end up going straight back up uh i i think that could happen if the only way it's going to happen is if they put more money in the system and if it does it's going to make the rest of society even worse just like it did last time I mean, to mm-hmm. me there is really two themes here and i you know it bothers me the fact that uh that it seems so obvious to me and yet other people think it's it's fine i i don't i don't i don't see um, last night, a couple of guys were saying they think the long-term inflation rate is going to be 3, 3.5, which is way better than it was, but it's not going to be zero, this is even with them lying about it. Uh, if, th- if it's going to be two and a half, three, 3, and there's going to be any kind of real rate of interest, you're talking about a 5% rate, 5, 5.5 for 6 going forward, which is not unusual for 10 years. I mean, are the people who think this is all going back down to 1% and we're all going to be rich again uh, in the market, I mean, and all this other stuff, right? Are they right, Hal, or are the guys like me who say that we're going to return to the norm here and 10-year money is going to be 6% or 55 and it's the way it's always better, 5% or whatever, maybe 45 but it's not going to be 1%, I don't think. Well, you know,
0: people, I hear this a lot, The the markets are doing the work for the Fed, right? Is the Fed really the one pushing these interest rates up? Or is it the fact that the um, supply of... Uh, funding that the federal government needs, the supply of uh, bonds it needs to finance these $2 trillion deficits and a $33 trillion debt. When you increase supply, you push prices down, you push interest rates higher. So is the dog wagging the tail or is the tail wagging the dog? Is the question, right?
2: Wait a minute. If you, if, you, if you increase the amount of bonds available, the price of the bonds is going to go down, which means the yeah. interest rates are going up.
0: They're going up, right? Yeah. So, and, and I don't see that. Changing anytime soon. Meanwhile, the Chinese are auctioning off or selling their bonds. their U.S. Treasury bonds. You have the Fed working off its bonds, right? So you got three sources, three major sources of bond supply. So I, I don't think the Fed is really. I mean, the Fed is helping push these bond prices up by supplying more, right? By selling them off. But you got three major sources of bond supply. You got Treasury, you got China, and you got um, the Fed and they're all selling bonds, right? Um, so that's one one thing.
2: The Fed's selling. Them. Two, I don't think the Fed's selling them. The Fed's just allowing some to run off.
0: Yeah, maybe they're letting them run off. Right. Yeah. Uh, but when you let them run off, you're you're actually you're selling them at uh, face value,
1: right?
2: Well, I mean, if they have a a two year note from two years ago, and they just they just get the money from the Fed, it just letting it run off. Or a mort- yeah. the mortgage the mortgages are running off.
1: Well, just,
0: I mean, just... it's still a sale because. um you can either sell it for a price in the market. Or you can sell it uh, at face value, right?
2: Well, no. I'm saying if you, it de- it depends. They have the balance sheet that's mixed. But if if they if they bought a mortgage five years ago that had, and all of a sudden somebody redeems the mortgage and you get sent the check, that's just the redemption. You do know? I mean, you don't. Yeah. You have to go. Out and, you have to go out and buy another one to get you back to the same place. Yeah.
0: But if you look at M two though,
2: you see if I if I
0: was at the Fed. I would scrap looking at CPI, look at any of these price indexes, and I would just use a geometric average of M2 or even the Austrian true money supply. I'd use that as my measure.
2: You you, you have to to do me a favor. You you cannot mention M2 because when we all used to talk about it a lot and we got the number Mm -hmm. every week, the federal government decided to only give it to us monthly. So if you talk about it now, we'll never get it. I know, yeah. Well, we're not going to get it right. So, if, but if, 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 if I was in charge
0: yeah. of the Fed, I would, I would scrap the CPI nonsense.
2: And I would just go with a 10-year geometric average. Why not just, why average. just tell them not to, to stop lying about
0: it? <laughs> yeah. I, I would go with the. I think inflation is really just an excessive growth in money supply. And what you have to do is you have to I, – I would say you have to use a 10-year geometric average of M2 or uh, true money supply or whatever money aggregate you want to use. And if you did that, um, inflation over the last 10 years – is running between eight and nine percent a year. If you use the geometric average over ten-year period or or longer, right? And then nominal GDP growth, if you look at the the eleven-year uh, uh, geometric average of nominal GDP growth, it's about four point seven percent. That's not good because if inflation is you know three percent, we got growth between one and two. If inflation is really four or five, now we have declining GDP. Over the last seven years,
2: which, which is exactly that's, that's that's what I was arguing with Joel about. I, yeah. I don't I don't I think we've been in a recession for a long time. And he says, "Well, yeah. look at the the amount of people working, the unemployment rate, in the market." I said, "If you look at those things, you're, you're you can be totally rose colored glasses over the whole thing."
0: Yeah. Well, if you look at if you look at employment, I tweeted this to uh, the you know the vice president, and uh, it looks at it's looking at employment. She was celebrating the fact that they created so many jobs, right? Yeah. If you look at the employment level and you compare it to pre-pandemic trend, we're 4 million jobs below the pre-pandemic trend. And that pre-pandemic trend was pretty stable um, and steadily rising in a linear fashion. And if you you look at it recently, there was a big rebound after the pandemic ended. And then uh, about 2020, late 2021, it really started to decelerate so it looks like employment is uh peaking out and the question is what policy is preventing us from being um, from us having a full recovery in employment so I, I don't see employment being positive we're not we're not near where we should be and it looks like it's peaking
2: out all right i have a, I have a question for you now we're going to are going to test you you may have to put some of your uh your guys on this um up- updated October twentieth wow we got the uh well let me see if we've got the get the current issue but the question i that, that nobody seems to have an answer to, and I absolutely do not have an answer to it um, let's see if the total fiscal years here are done on this treasury statement um, My question to you is if you look at the employment numbers that they put out now granted a real lot of the employment stuff is now part time which yeah. is which is clearly a problem um by the way, the, the the yearly treasury statement is is out. All right, so um, so let's 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 let's, let's try and try and keep my train of thought here. Um, if you look at the numbers, we've got a million or two million more people employed than last year, according to these the numbers. Now, in their definition, and if you if you listen to the hourly wages and all the other stuff, they're all up as well. Okay, so let's take that as a somewhat of a given. Now, the, the question is, if that's the case, you would expect, since every time you get a paycheck, your employer has to turn around and give a chunk of that to the government, correct? So you would expect government receipts on individual ind- from individuals to be up, and it's actually down from last year. Yeah. So explain to me how, how that can possibly happen. I've got government receipts here. Last year we're eight trillion dollars. This year they're four point four, right? So if we've got more people working and they're making more money, how are how how are they how are, how do those numbers match up? The only possible thing I can think of that could possibly make it together, me, my little brain here, uh, you can you can, the only thing I can think of is so many people are now being employed part time that they're going to owe the government a bunch of money in January that they're not it's not being taken out of their payment or people are actually working less hours to where you know just we guys like me always think that okay maddie Weber gets a job making 50 bucks an hour i immediately say oh that's pretty good that's two grand a week right well that's not what's happening now you could a lot of people work 35 32 30 so you can't just multiply by 40 to get somebody's Nobody said so. Do, so what do you? I think even though pe- more people are employed and the rates are up, somehow or another they're not making as much money you know, at, le- at least, unless it's all going to come to the government because it's a ten ninety nine payment, they're all going to get the money in January. But those two numbers, I can. Can you tell me in thirty seconds or less how can they both be true?
0: Yeah, I think maybe what it is is uh, margins are squeezed. Maybe people are doing side gigs. Uh, maybe they're Uber. Maybe they're Lyft. Maybe they're Airbnb, maybe they're RV share, maybe they're you know maybe they're doing some side jobs in the in the gig economy. And at the end of the year when they have to square their account, maybe you'll see that number come back up. But if it doesn't come back up, if that number doesn't come back up in uh, uh by the end of uh, April next year, and it stays low, um, then I think uh, we're definitely in a pretty deep recession.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I'd, I'd I mean, love to see the, the Fed get this $500 billion check they're owned, owed yeah. in January, February, but I don't see it, Al. I mean, I, yeah. I'd, I'd love to see it, but do you really think that's going to happen? Uh, no. No, i would uh, be nice. Yeah. Uh, SP futures up 25, NASDAQ futures up 90. Are you are you bullish or bearish or, or clueless like me?
0: I'm uh, bearish, but I'm hoping people sober up and uh... – we write the ship, so.
2: Yeah, I do too. I do too. Yeah. We, know, we don't want to. We don't want to get any worse than this. I like to yeah. see everything. Everybody make some money. Everybody makes some money. Yeah. Be happy. Uh, we we'll back tomorrow. Stocks and Jocks.
1: What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.
0: That's all, folks.